Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids message of the week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experience the presence of God through this message by Apostle Kathy L. Ali. Wow. That was quite powerful and moving. Thank you, Sarah, for coming and for that video. And that's what it's all about. It's really not just about us coming on Sundays and getting filled up and then waiting until next Sunday and doing it all over again. It's about actually taking what God has given us and bringing it into the world. It's very powerful and very moving. Um, I'm going to be reading out of Matthew chapter 25 and the English Standard Version, if you guys are back there getting that ready. And I've just been thinking a lot lately about eternity and about how important it is that we are ready. Like we, I've talked to people and I, like, you know, Jesus is going to come back and it's kind of like, yeah, probably not in our lifetime, but how do you know that? And, and not only that, it's, we don't, we're not promised tomorrow. So whether he comes back today or not, I don't know that I'll be here tomorrow. Am I ready to meet my Lord and Savior? It's been so interesting lately. I've been thinking about my mom who passed a few years ago. Sorry. We were very close, and it's random how all of a sudden... um, I think it was yesterday or Friday, I can't remember which day it was, but all of a sudden I picked up the phone to call her. Thanks. Only to realize that I can't. So I have her... um, Mother's ring on. Sorry, I didn't know I was going to cry. Just thinking about her life and the impact she had on me personally. And my parents, like, they never knew a stranger. I always say I'm the extrovert of extroverts, and I take after my mom and my dad because no matter where you went, they knew somebody. We were on our way to Idaho to visit my grandmother. That was back when you didn't just fly everywhere. You drove, and it was a three-day trip, and it was before um, cars had, well, I guess some cars had air conditioning. We didn't. Maybe ours just didn't work. And so we had the windows rolled down, and my mom has her legs hanging out the window because it was so hot. And we stop and at a fast food restaurant to get something to eat, and all of a sudden I hear, hey, Gino. And I'm, like, looking, and my dad knows somebody on our way to Idaho. And it really just is how he was, wherever we went. My parents knew someone. So I'm thinking about all of this in light of eternity and 
my relationship with Jesus Christ? And is it really first and foremost? Is he an everything and is he enough? And am I ready? Are you ready? Are we ready? If right now Jesus came back, because we don't know the day or the hour, neither do we know the day or the hour that we will be gone. So let's read Matthew 25, verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But when the wise took their flasks of oil with their lamps, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, Jesus says, for you neither know the day nor the hour. So here's a picture of 10 people. Let's just liken it to, we know the bridegroom is Jesus. The 10 virgins really are 10 people who are in church. Five of them have saving faith. They have a relationship with Jesus. They're ready at any moment. All this time has gone past and they're getting tired. The bridegroom is delayed. Our bridegroom is delayed. We've heard for years and years and years, for those of us who have been saved, that Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, but he hasn't come. So he's delayed and we grow weary. And all of a sudden you start to, the world becomes attractive and you start to live in the world and you forget the fact that you're actually a born again believer, a Christian, and that we're supposed to come out from among them and be separate. And yet all of a sudden the lusts of humanity and all the things that the world has to offer starts to creep in. And we forget who we are and whose we are. And there's these five foolish people that we could say are in the church. They don't know Jesus. They know about him. They go to church every Sunday. They do good deeds. They kind of live the way they want. Monday through Saturday. Their faith is in the people and the community that they're in. They're part of this party. They get to gather together. We get to go to each other's houses. We get to break bread. We get to do all that fun stuff. But they don't really have a personal 
saving faith. There's a faith that can be in people. There's a faith that can be in religion. There's a faith that can be in coming to church on Sunday. But it's not a saving faith. The only saving faith is knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. It's not just a prayer. It's an actual relationship and walk. It's not saying that you can sin because you're human and because of the fact that you have humanity, that we have this grace that we get to live by because we're not saved by works. We're saved by grace. So by all means, I'm going to do whatever I want so that when Jesus Christ comes back, I may not be prepared. But can I have the oil that's in your lamp? I mean, after all, I'm human. So sin knocks at the door. What am I going to do? I'm going to fulfill the lust of my flesh. I love the pride of life. You can drive down the street and you see all these huge houses and you just want to, oh, I want one, I want one like that. I want a better car than I have. And you start to look and compare yourself to your neighbor instead of looking to Jesus, and you never know the day or the hour. So I had a scare this week. I've had this perpetual cough, and I think it was like, started right when I got COVID this last time in February. But the last week, it became unbelievable. I mean, I, would, I probably coughed more than I didn't cough. I pulled, like, one of my um, muscles in my stomach from coughing so much. So the more I coughed out, the more it would even hurt. And I hadn't been sleeping. And so Sunday night, I thought, man, I've got to get some sleep. I'm, like, sleep-deprived. So I took some cough um, medication before I went to bed. Went to bed, finally fell asleep for a couple hours. I wake up coughing, coughing, coughing. So I go down, I take some more. I go back upstairs. And I fell asleep for a little bit, kept waking up coughing and coughing. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I went back down, um, took some more, and then I took another kind. So I had like two or three different kinds going on. And I'm like, I'm just going to sit up in the chair, see if I can get some sleep. And I wound up... Waking up in the morning like this, something's not right. I, I don't know if I can continue like this. And so I talked to Paul. I said, hey, could you take me to urgent care? I need to go to urgent care. So he came and we're on our way to urgent care. And I'm coughing and coughing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I do not want to go to urgent care. I hate sitting in there for like an hour or so and before you even get to see anyone. I said, let's stop at a pharmacy first. Let me see what the pharmacist has to say. I didn't know if I was actually experiencing asthma because my father had asthma really bad and he didn't get it until he was my age or what was going on. So I started talking to the pharmacist and she said, well, it could be asthma. She said, or it could be this or, you know, whatever. She said, you really just need to go talk to a doctor. And I said, well, I just want to stop coughing. She said, well, you could take this. So um, I'm like, okay. So I go and I, I get that and I take it like gladly in the car. So I'm like, whew. And so my coughing starts to subside a little bit. And I'm like, you know what? I'm hungry. You want to go eat? <laughs> so we went and had breakfast. And um, he says, hey, um, after breakfast, do you want to come with me? Um, and I'm going to look for a, a sport jacket and want your opinion. I said, sure, I can do that. 
So we're on our way there, and all of a sudden I said, I don't feel right. He goes, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. I just feel funny. I don't feel right. And then I, we're getting closer and closer to the store. I'm like, I just don't feel good. He said, would you not want to go? I said, no, maybe I just need to get out and go for a walk. So I get out of the car. I go into the store. And all of a sudden, it hits me. I felt like I wasn't there, but I was there. And everything started to like get like black and then white, and people were like, I can't even describe it. And I, I'm, like, I'm like, I can't barely breathe. So I walk out of the store, I'm like, I'm like looking at him, and I'm like this. And he's thinking I'm saying that there's no, that they're not open or something. He starts walking away, I'm like, no. I'm like, no, I'm like, I can't. I can't breathe, and I, everything is spinning, and I'm like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, and he's, and I'm like, I think I'm dying. I got, I'm not kidding, I'm dying, and I grab onto his neck, and I'm just limp, and my eyes are rolling back in my head, and the, I can hear a voice inside of me say, don't close your eyes, don't close your eyes, and so I'm like, trying not to close my eyes, trying not to close my eyes. I can't breathe, I'm starting to have a panic attack. My lips are super numb, my, I can't pick up my arms, my extremities are completely limp. Um, all of a sudden, I'm like, my tongue, I can't, it feels like it's the size of, a, of, a, of like a baseball. I can't, I can't talk, and guys, I'm ambulance, and then he's like, calls the ambulance, the ambulance comes, the ambulance scoops me up, puts me in the back, starts to look to see if I was having a heart attack, and I wasn't having a heart attack, they didn't know exactly what was going on, took all my vitals, my heart rate is through the roof, and, and I can't, I can't talk, and I kept saying, I don't feel right, I'm trying to say, I don't, like, I don't, can't explain it, I don't feel right, I don't feel right, and, and they're in there, and they're like trying, and there's a lot, so finally we just take off, and we go to the hospital, and I get to the hospital, and he's wanting me to sign this form, and I can't, lift, I'm, I, I can't lift my hand. So now he's thinking I'm having a stroke. And so now he's like, okay, so we're doing all this stuff. So I get into the room, and I had a dream the night before that I was being rushed into a hospital, and that Paul was there, and they were going to crack open my chest, and that he wouldn't allow it to happen. And at the end of this room, and I am like out of it. They're talking to me, I can't answer. They keep talking to me, and I'm just looking at them. And all of a sudden, there it goes again. I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And there goes my eyes rolling back. And I hear, don't close your eyes, don't close your eyes, don't close your eyes. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go close my eyes, I'm going to go close my eyes. So I keep trying, I'm getting so scared. And this goes on for hours. And finally, everything starts to subside. Basically, between my personal medication that I take in the stuff that I was taking, they had an allergic reaction. And it's called, I forget what it's called now, serotonin syndrome, and it's, it can be fatal. And I knew if I would have closed my eyes, I was gonna die. I don't know how to explain it, but I knew that God was saying, don't close your eyes, don't close your eyes, don't close your eyes. We never know. Was I totally frightened 100%? And the only thing I could think about were my grandchildren. I felt like I was good with God. But I started thinking about the people who aren't and think they are. And we're sitting in church. And if you're watching online, just because you read your Bible 
or go to church or hang out with Christians is not saving faith. Saving faith is not a prayer. Please listen. It's not, listen, it's not living your life the way that you want to live your life. Turn with me. This is one of the best. Um, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, bringing us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives to the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, say all lawlessness, and to purify for and to, oh, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works that's what the glorious church looks like the glorious church looks like people who are actually sold out to Jesus who are willing to say that when sin's knocking at the door when temptation is coming all of the lusts that come the pride of life all the things that we are all tempted with every single day you leave here and you're going to see billboards. You're going to see, you're going to see all these shiny cars. You're going to see all these things. Nothing's wrong with any of that. But if you're thinking about how to attain worldliness, attain goods that are only going to be here when you die, then that's when we have to say, God, do I really have saving faith? Because if you have saving faith, then Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit, will mark your life. What won't mark your life is the works of the flesh because you're a born again, transformed believer who sold out to Jesus Christ and the things that are in this world, you would give up just like that. When my mom died, we went into her room and all the stuff that she had left didn't matter. She was gone, it was here. You can save up all the money you want in your bank account so that you feel comfortable, so you can feel secure for when you retire. Or you can actually give it, actually hear the Holy Spirit and give it to the people that he's asking you to give it to and make a, make a transformed world because you are actually utilizing the gifts that God has given you to bring transformation. Don't store up yourself treasures on earth where moth, where rust, and it can just eat it alive. But store it up in heaven where we're going to get absolute rewards. We're not going to be able to stand before God and say, I'm sorry, I was just human. Well, it's just my humanity. No, if you're a born-again believer, it says that you have been transformed, metamorpho, which literally means that you have come from one creation to a whole new creation. And sin should not rule over you. Come on, good God, praise. Matthew 7, 21 says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, but Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did you not see me standing up on that stage? I was prophesying. I was nailing it. I mean, I was saying things that there's no way I could have known except for you revealed it to me. And I spoke right into the heart of that person and they were like, they were, wow, did you not, did you not hear me? I stood right here in this stage, God. Don't you remember? I was your servant. You used me. And in your name did I not cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles. Don't you remember when I went out on the street? I was praying for people. I saw people get up out of a wheelchair. I saw, I saw that that person's foot was so sore and it hurt and they could barely walk on it. I prayed. Do you know what happened? They got healed. Don't you remember me doing all these wonderful things? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I've been thinking so much lately about my life. I'm preaching to myself. God, let my life be pure. My name means purity. I don't want to store up treasures on earth. I used to be in competition with my brother. I have four siblings. Girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. I'm the youngest. My brother next to me. The two of us, when we grew up, our parents kind of did this to us, to be honest. I mean, I love my parents, but it was a competition. My brother, favor on his life, no matter what he touched, it turned to gold. And he's super wealthy to this day. Huge house. He was the rich one. I was the pretty one. But I got compared to him all the time. He'd buy a new house with four bedrooms. I'd have to buy a new house. And I would say I had four bedrooms even if I only had three. Then my dad would brag about how much, you know, he got a new car and how much money he has and how successful he is. And now he bought another house and it has five bedrooms. I'm like, wow, this is getting to be a lot. It was this constant, constant competition. And I strived for it. Before I moved here, I was in the furniture business, making well into six figures, super successful in the industry sought after by other furniture manufacturers to represent their furniture because I turned this, the, um, the state of Illinois around for three different manufacturing companies where, where they were only making $200,000 a year to over $1.5 million for one, one of the manufacturing companies that I worked for. I was good at what I did. I was a Christian. And I did everything I could to work hard, be diligent, make money so I could buy more stuff. Matthew was driving an Audi. 
because I got it for him. He didn't deserve it. He was just getting drunk and getting high anyway. I got him custom golf clubs at age 10 because you wouldn't be good enough to go to Walmart and get a kid's clubs. Now I had to be custom. Why? Because I was in competition with my brother. So though I said I loved Jesus, my life did not look like it. I went to church, I even preached, went to Bible school, and was totally sold out to the world. I had the nicest, fanciest cars and beautiful home. I was married to a man who was physically abusive for many, many, many years. Was choked and put into the hospital because my ribs were all cracked because I was struggling to try to get away from him. I was a Christian. I was supposed to preach my first message at a church where I was told that women would never, ever be able to preach. So I went to the hospital. All my ribs broken, not all, but several broken. And when I got out, the pastor and his wife sat me down. I wasn't allowed to do anything in ministry because I was abused. Made sense. When I moved here in 2001, I grew up in a church after I got saved. They weren't perfect. Like I said, that was a weird example, but it was a church that was on fire. It was a church that was in revival, transformed my life. And when I moved here and I started a church with a group of ministers, I moved here because I wanted to see revival because I grew in revival. I knew what it did for me. It took the worldliness out of me and it, brought, it, made, it made Jesus real. And I wanted to know, and I wanted people to know that all this stuff, the, the heartaches and the hardships and all the stuff that happens in life does not have to own you, that you actually can get rid of the past, that you actually can, can live a life that's full of Jesus Christ, that you can experience love that you've never experienced before. It's unconditional. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter how much you own. It doesn't matter what you've done before, but he just loves you radically. I went up traveling for um, internationally and locally and whatever um, for several years, got burned out, came back. And I remember when we started gathering in our, my house and all we wanted to do was worship. I just want to worship. Well, people started coming and I'm just like, I just want to worship. And then I would teach a little bit and we'd pray, we'd worship. 
And I just wanted his presence. I know that his presence is what brings transformation. I know that there, I believe in counseling. I believe in all that don't. I'm not saying I don't. But there's something about having an encounter with God that will transform you quicker than anything else can. Paul, Saul met God on the road to Damascus and became Paul. And he kept, totally transformed his life. Moses, Moses encounters God. And he said, I will not go with you unless your presence goes with us. You know what happens when you actually meet Jesus and you really have a saving faith? Is that you don't want it just for yourself. You want to give it to other people. That's why Moses said, I don't want you to, I won't go if your presence doesn't go with me. He said, I won't go if your presence doesn't go with us. for later. I remember Max asked me, because he was at my house when we started, why, do you, why would you want to do another church? He said, there's a church on every corner. Well, that's a good point. I don't want to do church, actually. I just want the presence of God. I want people to experience the presence of God. One encounter can change your life. We can be these wise virgins. That when Jesus comes back or we go to meet him, we're ready. We're not full of religion and judgment. We're the glorious church. We're the bride that the bridegroom cannot wait to come and get. Do you know what religion does? It judges. Do you know I get judged because I've been married more than once? They don't even know the story. Can I tell you my story? Can I tell you why and what happened? Do you stay with an abused man? No, I used to detract abusive men into my life. Do you stay there? Absolutely not. But nobody asks me. You just have a mark. Then add this to it. I'm a woman preacher. I don't like you because of that. I don't know you, but I don't like you. You've been divorced and you're a woman preacher. Get out of here. Do you know what? I don't know. Is that saving faith? I don't know. I'm not there to judge. That I'll be God's. We have to start judging our heart. It's getting really dark. And we better get really bright. The fact that this church isn't full of people breaks my heart because there are so many people that think they know Jesus that don't. That need to actually experience the presence of God that is tangible. And I'm glad that God brought to my remembrance why did you start this church? 
It's for him, his presence. Unless the Lord build the house, I labor in vain. When I think about almost dying, it puts life in perspective. All that stuff at my house, guess what? That's where it'll be. Whoopee. Am I saying you can't have nice things? No, just don't let them have you. And be honest with yourself. If God really told you to give something up, would you do it? If he said, hey, take that 401k and pay off this invoice that the Well Church has for $50,000 for Surf Pro. <laughs> Let's just sit on that for a moment. <laughs> would you do it? You see, the scriptures don't say, make him your savior. It's Lord and savior. That's real saving grace. Stand to your feet. Rachel, would you come up, please? God, help us to really be a light. That's not hidden, like Sarah said so appropriately, that we burst into flames, that we go into the darkness. We don't bring judgment, we bring love. We bring love. Help us, God, that we return to our first love, that you shine so bright within us that we, no matter how many years we've known you, we hunger for more. And we, we do cry out more. I want more of you. I want more of you because we do want more of you because we're in love with you. I'm going to close with this song, Our First Love.
God of the heavens and the earth, the King of kings and Lord of lords is going to watch half of the church leave because of COVID without bringing a great awakening right after. There's one commonality in all of revival, and it's that people had given their lives to prayer. Before any revival has taken place through all of history, there's no formula, but there is one common theme. It's that people gave their lives to prayer. And I want to invite you just to come to the front. If you want to just pray to God that he is, he's bringing a cleansing in his church. Man, I have had so many experiences throughout this last week since service last Sunday where God has just come sovereignly and lit my heart on fire. Father, we are desperate. We are hungry for your presence, for your people to be awakened once again, God. For revival to come and to sweep this nation, God. We are desperate. We are hungry for more of you, Jesus.
something that we can't conjure up, Lord. It's something that you just sovereignly do. We thank you for continuing to make us a people that are ready, for continuing to make us a people that are available and open for what it is that you want to do in this city and here upon this earth. We say yes to you, Jesus. Yes to you, Jesus. I pray that these fires that are burning in our hearts right now will continue to burn even brighter and brighter every day. We're hungry and desperate for you. I want to just invite you, if you want to stay up here, you're welcome to. Uh, Rachel's going to continue playing for a little bit for those that are need to go. you got to go. You're dismissed. But I do ask that as... As we're continuing to just soak in the presence of God, that you take all conversation out of the sanctuary just to really honor what it is that the Lord is doing in this place this morning. You're not in a hurry to leave if you don't want to, but you are released if you leave. Thanks for listening. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about The Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.